We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him uh, Gandalf. Because like he's never early or late, he's always <laughs> at the right time. Yeah, my job is to never stop, regardless of percentages. I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. Yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to this. Y'all ain't met playoff P yet, huh? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Uncontested podcast where we cover the NBA, OKC Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also find us, our articles, podcasts, a whole bunch of cool stuff on our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I am the Thunder Mob, Jacob Niffin, and today I am joined by the guy who's going as Playoff P for next Halloween, Justin Hickey. What's up, everyone? He's going to be in OKC next year. I feel it. I changed my mind. Uh-oh, he cha- changed your mind? What is this? Hey, I got I got some good vibes off of tonight. If we could keep playing like that, I think he's going to stay in OKC for at least one more year. All right, all right. Well, the Thunder have just won game one of the playoffs. They beat the Utah Jazz in Oklahoma City 116-108. to To give you guys just a, a few quick rundowns of the stat sheet real quick. Um, if you did not know, Paul George is the best player um to ever play basketball apparently dropped 36 points in 38 minutes on 8 of 11 three-point shooting just a total animal russell westbrook 29 points 13 rebounds eight assists mellow chipped in 15 points brewer had seven adams had 12 coming off the bench for the thunder they got big contributions 
from Alex Sabrinas, who had 11. He was the only bench scorer in double figures. Justin, this game started off looking a little, a little shaky. Thunder go go down four to 16 about six minutes into the first quarter. What what's going through your head at that point in time? I mean, they started off pretty good. They got that Paul George steal, which led to that dunk to go up 2-0, and then they just fell apart. They couldn't do anything defensively. They were getting caught on rotations, and they went down 16-4 to there, and they just needed to get a timeout, came out, and I believe they went on that 10-0 run to cut it to two. Paul George got hot, but, I mean, like I was saying on the uncontested Twitter, there's three things guaranteed in life. One, death. Two, taxes. Three, OKC starting slow. So they were able to pick it up a little bit and finish there on a, I believe, a 21 to 9 run, tied it at the end of the first quarter, and then took a pretty good momentum into the second quarter and was able to take the lead into half. Yeah, definitely. They, a- after that six minute timeout by Billy Donovan, Thunder came back out, immediately went on a 12 to 0 run to tie the game up at 16. And then there was a little bit of back and forth after that. But it seemed like they really, to me, they settled in defensively after that first timeout. They kind of got their feet underneath them and and really started to go. Uh, like we said, they, they tied it up go, coming out of the first quarter. And then second quarter, all Thunder, 23 to 29. Third quarter, 24 to 27. The Thunder win the quarter. And the only quarter they actually lost was that fourth quarter, 36 to 35, whenever you could clearly see they just took their foot off the gas coming down the stretch once Quinn Snyder subbed out all of his starters and threw in the B team. Yeah, it looked like Alec Burks was trying to put the whole city of uh, Utah Jazz on his back there. Yeah, he was. Almost brought him back. He was throwing all kinds of stuff in. It was crazy. That was insane. Yeah, he... <laughs> he hit that three and then he drove for the layup. And the thing was, there wasn't much time going off of the clock because he dribbled the ball up in five seconds and pull up for three, or he'd just drive right down the court and they let him go for a layup. So once Paul George went out of there with his hip contusion, the Thunder kind of took their foot off the gas and yeah, almost blew it. Definitely. So before this series started, we talked. And I know you weren't on the, the playoff preview podcast, but we've talked in the Slack, we've talked on Twitter, we've talked in the playoff preview, and we all kind of agreed that the Steven Adams versus Rudy Gobert matchup was going to be a big one. It might be the matchup that defined this series and decided who would win it. Definitely. I mean, you, you saw quite a few times tonight, Steven Adams. Uh, I continue to say the guy's the strongest player in the league. And there was a couple times you can just tell Rudy Gobert could not handle him. And they had three guys boxing out Steven Adams and he was still getting offensive rebounds. Yeah, definitely. So I'm trying to find a stats here real quick. This is great podcasting. Rudy Gobert, 14 points. Two blocks, seven rebounds in 35 minutes. He was a minus five. In comparison for Steven Adams, played 37 minutes, had 12 points, seven rebounds, four of which were offensive, and three assists. He was a minus four. So they basically played each other to a push. It was essentially yeah. a push when those two were on the court. And the thing is also that won't show up on the stat sheet is Steven Adams, when he is on the offensive glass, he creates a lot of loose balls that lead to fouls. He will just tip the ball up in the air, and that's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but that's basically like an offensive rebound if OKC can grab it together. Definitely, and 
I thought it was interesting. Early on in the game, they did not go to Adams at all. I don't think Adams got his first points of the game until late in the second quarter whenever he hit two free throws. There was really no pick-and-roll action with Adams. Um, they didn't post him up at all, really, in that first half at all. Uh, the first offensive possession of the second half, they posted Adams. But they, they kind of just almost tried to ignore Adams and, in turn, ignore Gobert to, to try to just play that out of the equation that's, that's kind of the feel that i got early on yeah definitely and i think if you're if you want to take adams and Gobert out of the game and go four on four with the other guys and you have guys like ingles going up against paul george i'll take that take rudy Gobert out of the game and force other guys to beat you yeah yeah and it seemed like as the second half went on though the thunder started to get adams going they hit him on what back-to-back alley-oops he had like three alley-oops there in the fourth quarter including that crazy monster one that he pulled back i don't even know his arm could reach back that far uh, he hurt his arm on that one <laughs> broke his damn arm off on the rim but that was that was insane that was one of my favorite adams dunks i may i think i've maybe ever seen yeah definitely and the thing with steven adams and with okc fans is when russell westbrook comes off of that pick and roll and you see adams roll to the basket all of us know, and even the defense knows, that it's going to Steven Adams, but he's just so big that you can't stop it. Yep, yep, exactly. And it's like Russ started to learn that once he probed the defense, Rudy Gobert does not want to hedge on screens. Whenever Adams screens, Gobert drops back into that paint, tries to protect the paint. So if Russ can get downhill off of those screens, he can start to manipulate that defense a bit and find those seams on the backside. And I think they started to realize that going down the stretch in the second half there, whenever he had Grant for an alley-oop, he had Grant for a pick-and-roll, he had Adams for like two or three alley-oops, he started to realize once he probed a little bit, Rudy Gobert being on the backside of that pick-and-roll with the guard trying to catch up, Rudy Gobert's kind of stuck in the middle. Does he come out and contest Russell Westbrook, or does he hang back and guard the lob to the rim? And I think Russ, whenever he got downhill and put pressure on that paint, it forced Gobert to make decisions. And, I mean, you, you can't let Russell Westbrook go to the rim uncontested. Hey, podcast yeah, plug there, uncontested. Russell Westbrook is such a great talent. Like, he has so many weapons in his arsenal. If you do not pull up on that pick and roll, Russell Westbrook will hit that 18-foot jump shot. And he's just about money from there that he's shown in his career. And when he's on the baseline there, he'll back you down and he'll – hit the the bank shot so i mean he's just a special talent and i'm glad that he's on okc and i'll take all the criticism from every single analyst or whatever you call them and i love russell westbrook in oklahoma city and i wouldn't trade him for the world oh yeah well so justin here's some interesting stats i'm going to throw these out to you and i i feel like if you would have told me these stats before the game i would have assumed the thunder would have lost so First free throws, Thunder shot 87%, so that's great, right? We, we've had lots of worries about free throw shooting. Thunder shot 20 of 23 from the field, or from the line. That's perfect. Uh, they play the Jazz even to the offensive boards, nine apiece. The Thunder um, were out-assisted by two, 18 to 16. The Jazz had two more steals, two more blocks, three less turnovers and played the thunder even on fast break points and outscored the thunder by 18 in the paint. Uh, 
If you would have told me that without watching the game, I would have said that OKC lost. But probably, it probably was lost by double digits. Yeah, it was the individual heroics, pretty much of Paul George, that he would just come up the court and he would slice and dice. He would put somebody on skates. He would cross them over, and he was just feeling it. And I pointed out on the the Twitter account at one point he had thirty six points in the fourth quarter, and the dude wasn't even sweating. Yeah. He did not have a sweat on at all, and he was just chilling. He was taking and, bodies out there, man. Oh, he was. He was, was dropped. He was talking trash to Joe Ingles. He was, it, Royce O'Neal's got to call him daddy now. Paul Jordan <laughs> dropped that dude like a bad habit and then buried the three in his face. I mean, Royce O'Neal, if I was Royce O'Neal, I would have got up, taken off my jersey, walked straight down the tunnel to the team bus. I mean, yeah. Paul George did him dirty. Oh, he was just feeling it. And that I believe it was the one where he stepped back. If it would have been his ninth three-pointer that he made, which would have broke our, our record, I believe is eight by Kevin Durant, but they always say it's seven, the OKC Thunder broadcast team. But if he would have hit that ninth one that just missed, oh, man, the peak would have exploded. Oh, yeah, or if that one at the end of the third quarter would have counted. You know, and, yes. I mean, it was a bucket, but he just had one toe on the line. He gets that toe behind the line. That he was just feeling himself, man. He he, uh, he he had us all hyped up talking about you haven't seen playoff P yet. I like playoff P. I love playoff P, but it, it started off a little rough there and we're like, who is this playoff P guy? I don't know if we want to go back to the Pacers days last year when he didn't do too well, but playoff P showed up in the, the last three quarters, and he's a big reason why OKC is up 1-0 in this series. Definitely. So talking about Paul George, another thing that I found interesting tonight that I kind of wanted to bring up and I wanted to talk to you about and get your perspective on this, the Thunder decided for majority of this game to play the matchups straight up. Corey Brewer on Donovan Mitchell, Paul George on Joe Ingles. Number one, is that what you expected going into game one? And number two, how did you feel about it as the game wore on? I did not expect that to happen because from Paul George's comments, he wanted Donovan Mitchell as his primary matchup. And he did not get traded here to guard Joe Ingles in the playoffs. He got traded here to guard guys like the 2012 finals when Russell Westbrook took Dwayne Wade and Kevin Durant took LeBron James. They're supposed to guard the superstars on the other team. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I did not like it. He did have a lot more energy on the offensive end, but I would really like to see Paul George on Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell, he didn't, I believe he shot like 50%. He had a good game. Yeah, 11 to 22, 27 points, 10 rebounds. And, and he was on basically one foot. So I would like to see Paul George him up in game two we'll see what billy donovan decides to do in that um case definitely i thought it was interesting because number one like you said i think it allowed p to save some of his energy for the offensive end and number two they the jazz joe ingles is like their glue guy they like to use him as the ball handler in the pick and roll they like to use him as a ball mover as a shooter kind of as a as a swiss army knife a jack of all trades kind of guy uh he's joe ingles tonight Five of nine from the field for 13 points, uh, two rebounds and one assist. And I felt like a lot of that time, Paul George was denying Ingles and, and taking that, that solid piece that Utah House just completely out of the game. And so I think it's an interesting argument where if you move Paul George on to Donovan Mitchell, 
maybe he takes Donovan Mitchell 60% out of the game, but then Corey Brewer lets Ingles do a little bit more, or do you completely take Ingles out of the game altogether and just live with Brewer on Donovan? You know, it, it's this interesting balancing act that I'm, I'm interested to see how the Thunder will approach it moving forward. Because like you said, Donovan Mitchell had a hell of a night, fit, shot 50%, for 27 and 10 in his first ever playoff appearance. However, he was a minus nine on the plus minus. Yeah, and he he was on one foot, so yep. <laughs> he played he played a great game. But yeah, I would like to see Paul George on him and Corey Brewer. He's still not 100. percent I'd say he's about 80 percent with his sprained knee. So I think he would be a little bit better on Ingles. But when it comes down to it. I would rather make Joe Ingles try and beat OKC than Donovan Mitchell. So I think Paul George can take Donovan out of the game a little bit more and just force Joe Ingles to beat you and Jay Crowder to beat you and Rudy Gobert to beat you and for sure. so on. Hey, let's talk about the benches for a little bit. Oklahoma yes. City's bench came in, um, didn't play as many minutes as I, as I thought they would. Jeremy Grant only gets 14 minutes off the bench. We thought Grant and... Carmelo Anthony might split time this series. Uh, Melo got 37 minutes to Grant's 14. Patterson only plays eight minutes off the bench. Felton plays 12. Uh, Alex Abrinas plays 21. Maybe most surprising out of all of this, Terrence Ferguson played two minutes. <laughs> did not see that coming. Uh, nope. How, how did you feel about both the rotation and just the play from the bench? So I loved the rotation that Billy Donovan pulled out, and I actually wrote the article yesterday on the bench play with the last five seasons has been very up and down. That 2013 season where OKC was plus 9.2 um, offense to defense was a great season, and ever since then, they had 2014 where they had guys who couldn't score and only six players scored in game six of the Western Conference Finals. 2015 was decimated to injuries and we thought those guys playing would come down to the playoff rotation that they had starters minutes and that didn't work out they didn't even make the playoffs 2016 they couldn't play in his canter some games Dion waiters was inconsistent last year russell westbrook got his mvp because he had to carry a weekend bench so we had a lot of questions going into this season picking up raymond felton adding patrick patterson who was originally supposed to start yep. but i had a much better feeling going into these playoffs than I did last year with Samaj Kriston leading that unit. Raymond Felton didn't have a, a big game, but the thing with those guys is they played good defense and they played well with Paul George or Carmelo Anthony leading that unit. Carmelo took Jonas, Jonas Arebko to school at the end of that first quarter, yeah. and he led the bench pretty well at the end of that first. So Jonas Jarebko, four minutes... Zero of two, zeros across the board except one assist, a minus seven in four minutes. <laughs> All Carmelo in, Anthony. He came in and got his ass cooked. He did. <laughs> so, fun story, Alex Abrinas actually led – all players in this game and plus minus at plus 14 and 21 minutes, three of five from the three point line, four of seven from the field. His first basket was actually an off the dribble drive to the hoop and a contested layup, which was very promising to see. Th that was nice. I remember seeing that. And he, he has that little jab step and people are going to jump up on him because they expect him to shoot. They have to respect that space. And we pointed out 
on a few podcasts ago, you and I agreed that Abrenas was going to crack the rotation due to his spacing, and that's what he provides in a half-court set. Definitely. And in the fourth quarter, two of Abrenas' three-pointers actually came off of Jeremy Grant going off the dribble, drawing the defense in, and then making a swing pass to Abrenas, who was just spotted up wide open in the corner. And you give Abrenas five feet of room in a corner three, that thing's down. That thing's you can down. give him. Yeah, you can give him a foot of room and that thing's down. That guy can shoot from anywhere with hands in his face. And um, like I said, he has come a long way since he first started in the NBA. The guy couldn't guard a toddler with a broken leg when he first started in the NBA last season. And he's still not the greatest defender, but he's respectable as a defender now compared to a year and a half ago. I completely agree. So Corey Brewer played 34 minutes. Alex Abrinas played 21 do you see those numbers staying the same? Because I'll be honest, you were talking about putting Paul George on Donovan Mitchell and letting Brewer guard Ingles. I could see the Thunder going with Alex Abrinas on Ingles and having that spacing and that shooting on the floor for the offensive end and maybe going with Abrinas over Corey Brewer in certain instances moving forward in the series. I can definitely see that. Alex Abrinas has proved that he deserves minutes and – that spacing that he provides, you have if you have Joe Ingles guarding him outside there, that opens up everything. Russell Westbrook can drive the lane. They can do the pick and roll. Paul George is going to be able to shoot. Carmelo Anthony is going to be somewhere out there that can shoot. So I can definitely see OKC even closing with Alex Abrinas. It's much easier to put him in a closing role because now he's warmed up. He's come off the bench. He's played his 20 minutes compared to a starting role that he's not used to. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in game two and moving forward in the playoffs. Definitely. I completely agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about leading up to this game. We had a lot of fun on Twitter with the uncontested Twitter today. First off, we did a contest. We asked people to tweet us their score predictions for tonight. And the person that got the closest to the score, the, the actual score, their prediction got closest to the actual score, would win one of our pizza giveaways. Justin, what do you have on that front? So we had somebody by the name of at OTEDMN predict that OKC was going to win 112 to 107. So that came the closest to the 116 to 108 final. So congratulations, you won a pizza. Pizza! He made pizza! P-I-Z-Z-A! Master Splinter, perhaps you'd like to try some pizza. It's marshmallow and pepperoni. Yep, so we will get in your DMs on Twitter. Uh, you can send us your address. We will not be creepy and come to your house. We might <laughs> look you up on Google Maps. No, we don't really do that. And we will get you a pizza for game two coming up on Wednesday. So congratulations. If you guys don't follow us on Twitter, make sure you do. We do a lot of really cool giveaways. We did maybe one of my favorite things we've done on Twitter so far today. Uh, our own Taylor Peterson at T Taylor underscore P15 put together a Apple, Apple Music and a Spotify pregame playlist that there was a, a, a little bit of <laughs> dispute between the podcast guys on some of the songs on there. But Taylor threw together a Thunder pregame playlist that we tweeted out for people to bump to before the game tonight. They got to be able to bump to some country next time, <laughs> Taylor. I need some country music in my playlist. 
Uh, I did listen to the playlist <laughs> on my way to the peak tonight, and it was a uh, it was a good time. So awesome. So Justin, before we get off of here, game two coming up on Wednesday in Oklahoma City. Tell me one or two keys that the Thunder have to take from tonight and either do better or play at the same level. What are the big things move that you take away from this game moving into game two for the Thunder to go up 2-1 in this series heading to Salt Lake City? So I would definitely like to see a little bit more Steven Adams involved. He did not get as many touches as I would have liked. He's not going to be a player that has play calls for him, but just get him the ball down low. Let him see if he could do anything on Rudy Gobert. And then also, Russell Westbrook can shoot better. He, he didn't shoot great tonight. OKC still won. But if you can imagine if Russ could shoot 50 to 55%, OKC could win the game by 20. So I would definitely like to see those two things. And then also just the bench play keep up their great defense. I pointed out in my last article, Jeremy Grant is very key to our defensive effort. Him and Robertson, I believe, were the best defensive players that we had this season outside of um, Steven Adams. So I saw one play where Russell Westbrook had a steal in the third quarter where Jeremy Grant started off guarding the three, got switched, started guarding the point guard, got screened again, and then took the center out of the play. So definitely our defensive effort is going to be key to take this series up 2-0 heading back to Salt Lake, which we definitely need to do because I don't want it to be one-to-one. For sure. I think Patrick Patterson played really good defense as well tonight. He only got eight minutes off the bench, didn't take a shot, but ended with a plus six. He had two rebounds. That's his only stat, two rebounds and a foul, but he was a plus six. And I thought he played really good defense in really in, in every aspect. He played good pick-and-roll defense. He played good post-up defense. He played good on the switches. So I, I really look forward to that bench having another good game going into game two i think the thunder won really all of the minutes that gobert was off the court and i thought that was key and that's something that they have to continue moving forward is to win those those minutes where gobert is not playing i think that i think that's really key so awesome well, definitely thank, thank you guys for tuning in to our post game game one podcast we're going to try to churn these out about every post game during the playoffs so you can look out for another one coming thursday after game two which comes on late wednesday night uh, we appreciate you guys make sure you follow us on twitter at the underscore uncontested you can find justin at jhickness9 i am at thundermob405 you can also find our articles our playlist that we just talked about everything else at our website theuncontestedsports.com Justin, any final words before we get out of here? Thunder up. Let's go up 2-0 on Wednesday. Let's do it. Playoff P, baby. Yes, sir. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.